welcome to another rousing episode of Baseball is Dumb. Uh, thank you for listening. This is a show about baseball history where we find and discuss oops, some of the dumbest stories from America's pastime. With me, as always, my dear friend, my cohort, my co-host, Mr. Johnny. How are you? I'm pretty good, Ian. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a Friday. We established earlier we're full of burgers, fries, and Dr. Pepper. As we both take a sip mm-hmm. of Dr. Pepper. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Ah, delicious. Crisp. So today, we're shaking things up a little bit. Um, you know, we've talked about two hitters on this show so mm-hmm. far. Uh, today, we're actually going to talk about some pitchers mm-hmm. and some exciting pitching feats. Okay, I'm um, down for that. So my original idea for this episode is I found a game that I wanted to talk about. And I wanted to just read off a play-by-play and try and, like, recreate the tension of, uh, you know, that pitching can bring to a game. Mm-hmm. But the game takes place in 1917, so there's not mm. complete play-by-play data of it. Shocking. So I pieced <laughs> together what I could from newspapers, and it's not very long, so we're actually going to talk about two games today. Okay. Because the following game is from, I think, 1970, and there is is complete play the play-by-play data for it so today's a, a double header if you will because <laughs> well, it's a baseball joke it's a baseball, it's a baseball joke podcast. I, can, I, it was so ah. funny i forgot to laugh i'm really good at telling those so uh to date this episode a little bit um this is a newspaper you're hearing by the way people still have newspapers yep. it's, yeah, it's physical media isn't wow. that crazy um, but the MLB is now recognizing the Negro Leagues as another major league. Mm-hmm. So all of their stats are going to be compiled into major league stats. Great. Which that's, is super cool. Because yeah, this is cool. about, this is according to the Houston Chronicle, about 3,400 players will now be added to major league records, all their statistics, everything. That's That's pretty nuts. Yeah. Like... One, that's a lot of players. Mm-hmm. And two, like, we just don't talk about the Negro Leagues ever. No. Like, I don't know a single player from the Negro Leagues. Uh, I'll read you a couple of names that you'll probably recognize, the players who came out of those. Mm-hmm. Um, like, into MLB. Yeah, yeah, especially, I mean, it's mostly players who kind of played towards the end of Negro Leagues and then when the game was integrated. Because mm-hmm. the Negro Leagues lasted from 1920 to 1948. And then, of course, when Jackie Robinson was able to, you know, bring forth integration, mm-hmm. uh, players who were active in the Negro Leagues were able to come up to MLB. And so, you know, I'm going to throw out names like uh, uh, Jackie Robinson. I think uh, Willie Mays is mentioned here in this article. Um, the, uh, even here in Houston, we had a Negro League team. They were called the Houston Eagles. Houston Eagles. That's a cool name, Fun actually. Fact. Yeah. I like that name. Yeah, so this is uh, super cool that a bunch of players are going to be Added into the, uh, uh, sorry, this is really loud. <laughs> added into the annals of baseball history, <laughs> as you. it were. Thank you. Um, so this is kind of going to shake up the record books a little bit, mostly in terms of like all-time leaders, because we have one Josh Gibson, who he his career batting average was three sixty five, which is one point below Ty Cobb's all-time record of three sixty six. That's nuts. So that'll probably put him at second all-time. And he also, in his 1943 season, he hit 441. 
So he would become baseball's most recent uh, 400 hitter for a season. <laughs> Wait, what year did you say this was? 1943. That's insane. That's still yeah. like, that's live ball era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. Speaking of pitchers, we're going to talk about quickly this guy named uh, Bill Foster. Uh, and he had a younger brother, Rube Foster, who also played. But Bill had a pitching record of 140 wins to 69 losses across the years 1923 to 1936. Across 13 years, he only lost 69 games. That's that's crazy. Yeah. This guy is, um, the, like, the best pitcher of all time. No, yeah, that's one the of the greatest. Pitcher. But, like, by, by pure statistics... Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Uh, also, a little caveat because Negro League seasons were shorter than like National League mm-hmm. seasons. Um, while the National League, American League, were playing you know hundred something games, Negro League seasons would only be between fifty and seventy games. Okay. However, because <laughs> we just finished up the COVID season where we only played sixty games, those stats are being recognized mm-hmm. as official stats, and so these stats are also going to be recognized. So that's a little cool little asterisk that we're able to kind of get around. So yeah, Josh Gibson, he has this Cooperstown plaque that he hit almost 800 home runs. Uh, but some of those were just like like exhibition. It's like a home run derby, not oh, an actual like yeah. competition. I don't, know if you could count, I don't know if you could count those as like yeah. actual home runs. But um, well, yeah, Josh Gibson, oh, we were talking about him earlier for the 365 Mm-hmm. would be second to Ty Cobb's 366 as the all-time high. Um, his career, Gibson's career slugging percentage of 690 would beat out Babe Ruth as the all-time high slugging percentage. That's, I think for a single season. Yeah. Oh, no. That, it That's all-time? Yeah. Highest in Major League history. That's all-time. Man. Um, yeah, this is going to be wacky. Speaking of Babe Ruth... Uh, he would be out of the top 10 all-time in terms of batting average once they add in Judd Wilson with 359 career batting average, Oscar Charleston with 350, and Turkey Stearns with 348. I love that name. Yeah, That's so, a great name. Um, this is kind of an ongoing thing, and uh, a lot of stuff is just getting added, but I just kind of wanted to share that. Uh, it's just some cool baseball news that you know a lot of these players who were excluded from major league play are finally getting the recognition they deserve and i mean 3400 people yeah that's, that's a that's a lot that's a bonkers amount of players Ugh. speaking of the newspaper episode uh yeah because i thumbed through uh, i virtually thumbed through a lot of newspapers to figure out a play-by-play for this game that we're about to talk about so we're talking about pitchers today uh you know some of the greatest pitching achievements like the cy young award we've talked about mm-hmm. Uh, kind of the holy grail of pitching is the perfect game. Right. To throw a perfect game. Now, okay. uh, what is a perfect game? A perfect game is where you pitch all nine innings. You don't allow a single base runner. No hits, no walks. You don't hit any batters. There are no errors committed. It's incredibly rare. Only 23 perfect games have happened in Major League history. Yeah. 23. That's like 150 years. Yeah, basically. And there's also a no-hitter, which is also a really big accomplishment. Uh, no-hitter is exactly how it sounds. You just don't give up a hit. You can allow people to reach base through, you know, walks, hit-by-pitch errors, whatever. But as long as you don't give up a hit for nine whole innings, you have a no-hitter. And that's been done 305 times. Still not a lot. Yeah, still rare. Uh, and it's 
it's always super cool to see that kind of thing happen. We actually had two no-hitters from this most recent 2020 season. Both of them came from Chicago teams. One was with the White Sox, one was with the Cubs. Yeah. Oh. Both teams threw one, which is super cool. This game takes place uh, on a warm, sunny summer day in Boston, Massachusetts uh. on June 23rd, <laughs> 1917. The Red Sox were hosting the Washington Senators for a doubleheader. Hey, remember the top of the show? I, I remember the joke that you made. It was very funny. It was a setup. So, <laughs> this actually wasn't supposed to be a doubleheader, uh, but there was an earlier game between these teams uh, that was supposed to happen in late April, but it was canceled because it was still too cold out in Boston. <laughs> in Boston in <laughs> yeah, April. Yeah, figures. Uh, so, they just rescheduled it and played it. Now, so the Washington Senators sent out Doc Ayers. He was a solid pitcher who had an eight-year career and a wins-above replacement of 13.7. His career ERA was 2.84 and 622 strikeouts. Now, Doc was famous for throwing a spitball. And it's also very self-explanatory what it is. But a spitball is when you, well, spit on the ball. And this will affect the weight of the ball. It can cause it to move in an atypical manner. Now, if you remember from our very first episode, which was two episodes ago, <laughs> and you shared the story of when you got hit in the face with the baseball. Yeah. And we talked about the only guy who's died in MLB because of that. Yeah. And I felt bad because I forgot his name, but his name was Ray Chapman. Mm -hmm. And when he was killed during that game, that's what got the spitball banned. Because the guy threw a spitball yeah. and he couldn't like figure out how it was going to move. Yeah. Uh, well, also because it, it's dead ball air, so they're using the same ball the whole time. And when you're spitting on it, it makes it darker. So Ray just seriously never saw the ball coming. Mm -hmm. And that's why it just hit him in the head. And I have to correct a, a thing I said. Because uh, it did, yeah, it hit him in the head, and the sound was so loud that they thought it hit the bat. I thought that it had just, like, gone foul or whatever. No, the ball landed fair. And <laughs> since everybody thought it hit the bat, the pitcher came off the mound, fielded the ball, and threw it down to first base. And this guy's just, like, on yeah, the ground. Yeah, but Ray was just kind of, like, st like stunned in the batter's box and then just kind of, like, toppled over. Oh. Um... So, yeah, just kind of correct that story. Um, sorry, Ray. You didn't deserve that. Um, <laughs> so that's what... Yeah, so the league Poor is... Ray. Yeah. yeah. Instead of, you know, putting in helmets, they just said you can't throw the spitball anymore. But <laughs> some pitchers were allowed to still throw it after it had been outlawed. Uh, Doc is one of these pitchers. <laughs> Why did they just, like, allow pitchers to... It was so... Some... like, a specific, like set of pitchers yeah it was okay. like if you had been in the league for a certain amount of time and that was you had been throwing at like the whole time you could still okay. throw it so they got like grandfathered in basically okay. yeah, yeah but yeah. um there was like a cutoff so that's who uh the red uh, excuse me the senators started the red Sox countered by starting a pitcher by the name of george ruth better known as babe ruth <laughs> huh <laughs> i think i can see where this is going <clears throat> so babe's career era Wait. was this is 1917. Yes. I know what happens after 1917. <laughs> All right, continue. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Babe was a pitcher before he kind of almost single-handedly ushered in the life ball era uh, with his power hitting. Uh, but his career ERA was 2.28. He recorded 488 strikeouts, and he had a win-loss record of 94 and 46. That's good. That's awesome. That's very good. So, since uh, this game is in Boston... The Senators get to bat first. Uh, so this game begins 
with Senators second baseman Ray Morgan in the leadoff spot. And Babe walks Ray on four pitches. He was furious. <laughs> he started yelling at the home plate umpire, Brick Owens, claiming he missed two calls. Brick. <laughs> Brick Owens. Brick Owens. Okay. Congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. Owens. A son. Brick. <laughs> they. She gave birth to a brick. <laughs> um, yeah, Awfully so, painful. <laughs> I must have, oh, jeez. So if it's 1917, she gave birth to like a late 1800s brick too. So not even a <laughs> good one. Ooh, that one really hurt. Um, so Babes, he's he's screaming at the umpire, and Owens yells back to Babe. He's like, "Get up there and pitch." Babe yells back, "Open your eyes and keep them open." Owens says, "Get in and pitch, or I will run you out of there." Meaning he's going to eject him from the game. So Babe says, you run me out and I will come in and bust you on the nose. <laughs> this is the most 1917 conversation I've ever read this in is, my life. Yeah, this is pretty pretty old-timey. I will come in and bust you on the nose, see? <laughs> um, so Owens made good on his threat and ejected Babe from the game. But Babe also made good on his threat. <laughs> Quote, then in rushed Ruth. <laughs> Chester Thomas tried to prevent him from reaching Owens, who had not yet removed his mask... But Babe started swinging both hands. <laughs> he was so mad, he started punching a guy with a face mask yeah, on. Yeah, he still had all of his protective gear, and Babe was still trying to punch him in the face. That's, like, that's true rage right there. <laughs> uh, the left missed the arbiter, but the right struck him behind the left ear. <laughs> oh. Manager Barry and several policemen had to drag Ruth off the field. <laughs> uh, I... I know Babe Ruth was a pretty big guy, right? Yeah. So it's like, I guess, like, they just had, like, four dudes, like, come on, come on, man, (laughs) get off it. (laughs) So, uh, Babe was fined $100, which in 2020 money is about $2,000, and suspended for 10 games. Mind you, this is one batter into the game. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, starting catcher for the Red Sox, Pinch Thomas. Uh, Pinch? Pinch. Like, like pinch me i'm dreaming he was also ejected so they replaced him with sam agnew the red sox brought in ernie shore aka the professor to take over the game on the mound <laughs> the professor yes he got his nickname from his off-season work where he taught math at guilford college in greensboro north carolina huh uh yes yeah, so he's a really smart dude Ernie made his debut in 1912 against boston while he was a member of the new york giants so, in this game, uh, the Giants were beating the Red Sox 21-2 to in the ninth inning. Ooh. So, Giants manager John McGraw, who is a legendary baseball manager, he's actually going to be a recurring character on several episodes. John McGraw. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, John sends Ernie out to close the game. Because, I mean, why not? You're up by 19 runs. Yeah. Give the guy some reps. Professional experience. So, in this inning... Ernie got his first major league strikeout. He also gave up his first major league home run. All in all, he gave up eight hits, ten runs, but only three of them were earned. (laughs) So there were some errors committed at this inning. Yeah, a lot of errors. (laughs) So he gives up ten runs. The final score is 21 to 12, but Ernie was also credited with a save. (laughs) Why is that a save? I did I don't know, but it is, according to he, baseball he reference. He saved the game. Yeah. You guys are up by 19. 
he gave Man, him he ten sure runs. S- and sure he got, saved it. Now it's a safe situation. So this would actually end up being the only inning <laughs> that Ernie would pitch for the Giants because it was such a disaster. They're like, all right, you um, suck. We're nope, not yeah. again. <laughs> uh, he got released from the team, which Ernie was really pissed about because in 1912 the Giants went to the World Series, mm. and so he missed out on a getting play in the World Series and B probably more importantly to him the money that comes with it. Right. Um, we're actually going to talk about the 1912 World Series later. I've already written that episode because that that series is crazy. <laughs> it's okay. insane. All right, I'm excited. <clears throat> is John uh, McGraw in that one? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, so, uh, coming back to this game, 1917, uh, Ernie is he's doing a lot better. He's worked on himself, his mechanics. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the season, he's carrying a 1.97 ERA across his 12 starts. Wow. Yeah, he was a great pitcher for the Red Sox. He was a key part of their back-to-back World Series wins in 1915 and 1916. Mm-hmm. I think it was the Red Sox who went to the World Series in 1918 also, but he missed it because he had gone off to fight in World War One. Oh, He survived the war, and he came back to pitch for two more seasons with the Yankees. Good for him. Yeah, so Ernie's a, Ernie's a cool dude. We're one batter into the game, and we already have a new starting pitcher and a starting catcher, and a runner on first. There's Ray Morgan, and so Morgan tried to take advantage of the situation and attempted to steal second. But Agnew made a perfect throw and caught Morgan stealing for the first out of the inning. The following two batters put the ball in play, but they were put out by the Red Sox defense. Hey. (laughs) Thank you for that. So, uh, the Red Sox were unable to score in the bottom of the first inning. Arnie took the mound for a second inning of work and successfully successfully retired the next three Senators. In the bottom of the second, Larry Gardner and Duffy Lewis got on base with back-to-back singles. With runners on first and second and no outs, Center fielder Tilly Walker laid down a sacrifice bunt to advance the runners. Sam Agnew made good use of his first at-bat and singled to score Gardner. Uh, that would be the only run the Red Sox would score that inning, but hey, they got the lead now. Good for them. Good for Boston. Uh, and so for the next four innings, the game became something of a pitching duel. Ayers only allowed two harmless hits while Ernie continued retiring Washington hitters, collecting two strikeouts along the way. In the bottom of the seventh, Boston got to Ayers again. Tilly Walker led off the inning with a double and advanced to third on a yeah and advanced to third on a sacrifice from shortstop Everett Scott. Agnew recorded his second RBI of the game when he doubled, scoring Walker. Ernie Shore came to the plate and hit a ground ball right back to Doc. <laughs> <laughs> so the ground ball comes back to the pitcher, and they try to catch Agnew in a rundown, but the third baseman Eddie Foster dropped the ball, mm. and so Agnew is safe. And in the chaos, Shore got to first and even advanced to second. Runners on second and third, I believe one out in the inning. So what's the, what's the score at this point? Uh, it's 2 nothing. It's 2 nothing. Boston. Okay. Uh, Boston capitalized on the opportunity when right fielder Harry Hooper hit a single that scored both Agnew and Shore. Washington was able to control the damage, but they ended the inning trailing by four runs. Mm. The Senators took their turn at bat in the top of the eighth, but were once again shut out by Ernie in the Boston defense. The Red Sox were unable to add to their lead in the bottom of the eighth. Washington had one final at-bat in the top of the ninth, but shortstop Howie Hanks and catcher John Henry were unable to reach base. Down to their final out, the Senators sent out Mike Minoski to pinch hit for Ayers in the hopes of getting a rally going. Mike Minoski. <laughs> Mike Minoski. <laughs> I'm watching you, Minoski. <laughs> Always watching. No, we can't say that. We'll get copyright oh, yeah. by Disney. Sorry, Disney. <laughs> 
We're flipping off the microphone. <laughs> yeah, Disney. Eat our shorts. <laughs> no, we'll get to well, cover, Yeah, we'll they get bought that too. By Fox. Fuck. Damn it. Uh, it's only a matter of time until Disney buys this show when they buy everything else. Fuck you, Disney. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, Minoski's at the plate. He makes contact. He sent a slow ground ball down the first base line in what was effectively just a swinging bunt. Uh, but the Red Sox second baseman, Jack Berry, charged, fielded the ball, and threw down to first base just in time to throw on Minoski. Final stat line, Ernie, nine innings pitched, no hits, no walks, no runs. This is a perfect game. Okay. He just pitched a perfect game. He just game. pitched a perfect game. And that was the official ruling. He was credited with a perfect game. And that ruling stood until 1991. Oh, no. When, MLB, when then MLB commissioner Faye Vincent... Uh, he founded this department. It was called like <clears throat> the st- like the statistical statistical accuracy bureau or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it's like after sabermetrics started becoming like really or more yeah. popular. Yeah. So he is like a real stickler for statistical accuracy accuracy of the game, and so he had this game reevaluated and changed it to a no hitter, <laughs> but not bastard. just any hitter. And any no-hitter, a combined no-hitter. <laughs> why? <laughs> Just, like, why, dude? Uh, it would go down as the 88th no-hitter in baseball history, as well as the game's first combined no-hitter. Uh, so, like I said, there's only been 23 perfect games, but there have only been 14 combined no-hitters. So this is even more rare. That's, yep. Um... <laughs> It would be both Ernie and Babe's only no-hitter of their careers. <laughs> In the record Wait, books. so Babe is credited as the starting pitcher. Babe, the stat line is Babe was starting pitcher. 0.0 innings pitched. Ernie Shore, 9 innings pitched. Well, because Babe gave, gives up the walk. So he has no innings pitched, the one walk. One walk. And then Ernie comes in. And they get the throw down, the attempted steal, and then retire the next 26 batters without anybody reaching base. So, <laughs> even though Babe Ruth did nothing of value to this game, basically had a net zero, mm-hmm. doesn't count as a perfect game. Yeah. They just, Faye just took it away from him. <laughs> This guy's an asshole. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about another very dumb decision Faith Vincent made in another episode. I'm writing it right now, and it is... <laughs> it's tragic. It's really tragic. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Boston also won the second game of this double hitter, 5 to nothing. <laughs> Washington managed four hits and no runs across 18 innings of baseball. 18? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because they played two games that and they never sucks. scored. That um, sucks. Yeah, I guess in an you're interview, right. In an interview published in the Sporting News on May 21st, 1952, Ernie Shore said, quote, I've never seen a more helpless team in baseball than Washington was that day. <laughs> uh, but don't feel too bad for them. The Senators would eventually win a World Series in 1924. And in 1961, they moved to Minnesota and became the Twins. Oh. Same franchise. <laughs> Wait. No, never mind. I was thinking the Expos moved to Washington and became the Nationals. For mm-hmm. some reason, I was thinking the Senators moved to Montreal, became the Expos, and then moved back to Washington. 
that might have happened. There has been several teams, there are several franchises in the MLB that started in Washington. Like the Rangers then, were, they were in Washington. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like nobody wants to play baseball in Washington. <laughs> I kind of don't blame them. Like Washington and Baltimore. <laughs> sorry to people who live in Washington and Baltimore. They're not great places to live. Oh, what was that game uh, the the Orioles played like five years ago? There was uh, there were, like riots going on, and and the Orioles played a game to an empty stadium. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, that that happened. <laughs> I know. It's having finished the COVID season, it's normal to see. Uh, it's well, somewhat normal to see an empty stadium. But yeah, this happened like way before. <laughs> that's that's spooky. Yeah, there was straight up nobody there. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that is our first game. Our second game we're going to talk about uh, takes place on June 12th, 1970. The San Diego Padres were hosting the Pittsburgh Pirates for a doubleheader to open a four-game series. So, I'm... Doubleheader ch- jokes. Doubleheader jokes. They're very funny, Ian. Thank you very much. It was a setup all along. Very funny. <laughs> you know... I didn't think foreshadowing happened in real life, but here we are. Here we are, baby. I've been proved wrong. <laughs> um, this also wasn't supposed to be a doubleheader. <laughs> this was rescheduled because of a clash with an NFL date later in the season, like September or something. Mm-hmm. Is the Padres uh, and I guess the Chargers uh, were sharing stadium at the time. Mm-hmm. And just a scheduling conflict. But to understand the full context of this story, we need to go back a day to June 11th. When Pirates pitcher Doc Ellis was just north in Los Angeles visiting his friend. Wait, two Docs. Two Docs. Another Doc. Another Doc. <laughs> yeah. What's up with pitchers uh, named Doc? <laughs> like, there was Doc Holiday. Doc Holiday, Doc Ayers, Doc Ellis. I'm sure there's Doctor, another. Doctor, Doctor. Doctor, Doctor, <laughs> give me the news. Yeah. I love you. Uh, hope we don't get copyright struck. It turns out Disney bought that song, too. Hey! Shit! <laughs> um, so, yeah, Doc is just up north in L.A. hanging out with a friend because uh, he wasn't scheduled to pitch in, until the 13th. So he did what any of us would do when we don't have to go to work the next day. Stay up late drinking and dropping acid. <laughs> uh, yep, that's what I do. Uh, he woke up on the 12th uh, around noon that day, and he took another hit of LSD because, hey, it's his day off. Who gives a shit? Uh, but his friend's girlfriend, Mitzi, was flipping through the newspaper when she says, Doc, you better get up. You gotta go pitch. And he oh. says, what are you talking about? I pitch tomorrow. And Mitzi hands him the newspaper, and sure enough, it read, Pirates Padres, doubleheader, game time, 6.05 p.m., game one starter, and in a beautiful, beautiful act of coincidence that this writer had no idea he was doing, instead of writing Doc Ellis, he wrote his last name first and then just his first initial... So, a game one starter, LSD. <laughs> no way. <Yeah. laughs> no way. That's not real. It, that didn't happen. It happened. Life is beautiful. <laughs> LSD. LSD. <laughs> uh, so, Doc sees this and says, oh, wow, what happened to yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, like a very nonchalant response, <laughs> being high off your ass on LSD and saying that you have to pitch in a couple hours. Yep. So, uh, Doc quickly got on a flight and arrived at the ballpark 90 minutes before game time. <laughs> Upon arrival, he apparently took a handful of Dexamil and some Benzedrine 
which was apparently part of his usual pregame routine. <laughs> uh, quote, The Pirates suspected Ellis was on something, but weren't entirely sure because the pitcher always acted a little nuts. <laughs> Uh, so the game. <laughs> I love it. It's just like that's their explanation. It's like, yeah, whatever. He fucking always likes. He's always, he's always like that. He's just a little off, but he's a good pitcher. So whatever, as long as he's not hurting anybody. <laughs> so since the Pirates are the visiting team, they get the bat first against Padres pitcher Dave Roberts. Top of the first, Matty Alou grounds out to second. Gene Alley strikes out, and Roberto Clemente grounds out to the pitcher. Bottom of the first. Doc takes the mound with LSD in full effect. <laughs> Dake, uh, L- LSD <laughs> goes up on LSD. LSD. Yep. I love it. I love oh. it. You, you can't make this stuff up. It's perfect. Uh, so Dave Campbell leads off, and he flies out to right field. Steve Hunts walks. Al Ferrara fouls out to first. Nate Colbert walks. Then Ollie Brown strikes out looking. So... Ollie strikes out, looking to a guy who, by his own admission, said he was, quote, unable to feel the ball or see his catcher. (laughs) (laughs) So he doesn't know what sign the catcher is putting down, and he doesn't know what grip he's even putting on the ball. (laughs) This is, like, pure instinct. Just, I've pitched hundreds of thousands of times before. I'm going to do it again if it's the last thing I do. I'm wondering, like, was he leaning in to, like, see the signs and could he not see anything but then didn't want to, like, admit it? So did he just, like, eventually, like, just kind of nod? He just nodded and then just, like, yeah. made something up. Yeah. And he's like, was that a, did he, was, did he, is he signing for, like, a fastball yeah. or a breaking ball? Yeah, okay. he just, I'm just gonna nod. He's like, he's like, I'm gonna throw in a couple shakes just to make it seem like <laughs> shake. No, I'm not gonna throw that. Like, all right, like, I'll right, throw right, that. Right. I don't know what I'm about to throw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's Ollie. He's gonna have a bad day today. Oh no! Um, so top of the second, Bob Robertson flies out to center. <laughs> then a guy with a great name, Willie Stargell, hits a home run to put the Pirates up one to nothing. Jerry May grounds out to shortstop. Al Oliver singles to left, and Bill Mazeroski pops out to second. Bottom of the second. Ivan Morell grounds out to third. Chris Canizaro lines out to center, and Tommy Dean flies out to right. Tommy Dean. Tommy Dean. This is a great baseball player name. Like, this, <laughs> Tommy we, Dean. There's just a lot of really good yeah. names that we, we just happen to talk about. Like, Tommy Dean, if you're an athlete, you have to be playing baseball. Like, that, that name doesn't work <laughs> with any other sport. Yeah, it doesn't. Like... If there's like a basketball player named Tommy Dean's like that guy sounds like a Fuck. loser. <laughs> Keep hitting like, everything. Ugh, yeah. Tommy Dean? What a what a loser. But like, but if you're at like you're you're at a baseball game and the announcer comes on and he's like in left field, Tommy Dean. And he's like <laughs> everyone just cheers. I think you could make Tommy Dean work as like a football coach, maybe? It's a coach name. Yeah, it's a, like a good Tommy name. is a coach name <laughs> or a baseball name. And who could forget the legendary Tommy Dean when he took the San Diego Chargers to ten Super Bowls <laughs> in a row <laughs> from nineteen seventy <1970 laughs> to nineteen eighty. It was called the Decade of Charge. <laughs> <laughs> this is the dumbest thing I've ever said on Dean's the show. Dean's Dynasty <laughs> des- <laughs> destroys. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing. 
right, <laughs> let's, uh, let's keep going. Uh, yeah, Tommy Dean's flyout. That was the end of the inning. So, top of the third. Um, so, Doc Ellis now has to lead off the inning. I can't imagine how terrifying it is to have a guy throwing 90 miles an hour at you when you're high on LSD. <laughs> <laughs> but he has to lead but off. He, he did it. And he strikes out swinging. Okay. Which is something that Ollie Brown cannot say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, at least he went out swinging. <laughs> uh, that's out number one. Maddie Alou grounds out to second, and then Gene Alley strikes out looking. Bottom of the third. Now, uh, the other pitcher, Dave Roberts, leads off. And he fouls out to left. Dave Campbell flies out to center. Steve Hunts walks again. And Al Ferrara strikes out. <laughs> Swinging. Not looking. <laughs> so it's just Ollie so far. Yeah, just Ollie so far. Um, top of the fourth. Roberto Clemente strikes out. Bob Robertson flies out to right. And then Willie Stargell strikes out. Bottom of the fourth. Quote from Ellis. I started having a crazy idea in the fourth inning that Richard Nixon was the home plate umpire. <laughs> and okay. And once I thought I was pitching a baseball to Jimi Hendrix, who to me was holding a guitar and swinging it over the plate. <laughs> All right. I hope when he was leaning in, unable to see his catcher, seeing Richard Nixon and Jimi Hendrix at the plate, just. He could hear Voodoo Child in his head getting louder. <laughs> and you just kind of hear... <laughs> Counts two and two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> would Jim, would, here's the question. Would Jimmy bat left-handed or right-handed? Oh, damn. Probably left-handed. Probably left-handed. Or maybe he could switch hit. He's a, okay, he's a switch yeah, hitter. Yeah, he would probably, do, he would all probably right. switch all right, hit. All right, all right. <laughs> so, Doc... Goes back to work in the sitting and opens up with back to back strikeouts on Nate Colbert and once again Ollie Brown. <laughs> Poor Ollie. <laughs> Sorry, Ollie. So Ivan Morrell comes up with two outs and he gets hit by the pitch and then he steals second base. This doesn't matter because Chris Canizaro then fouls out to the catcher. <laughs> Another quote from Ellis I remember diving out of the way of a ball I thought was a line drive. I jumped, but the ball wasn't hit hard, and it never even reached me. <laughs> I'm guessing this is the pitch he was talking about. I couldn't really light it up with the play-by-play with this interview, but I hope it was that one. <laughs> so someone just, like, you, these are quotes from him. Yeah. So someone has interviewed this man. Yeah. Most of this was pulled from his uh, interview with the, the High Times. Um I forget what year it was. I had it written down. Probably like the 80s or something. Um, Yeah. Uh, So that's how the fourth inning ends with a foul out and uh, Doc just jumps out of the way off the mound. Just, oh, shit! (laughs) Imagine what it's like being like your teammates or like the catcher. (laughs) You're like, the the ball's like a dribbler. And you just see your pitcher go, oh! They're like, oh, that's Doc again. Yeah, there he goes. It's all that Benzedrin he's taking. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I guess, yeah, they probably just chalked it up. It's like, yeah, he's a weird yeah, dude. Whatever. <laughs> um. <laughs> all right. So, uh, top of the fifth, Jerry May grounds out to third. Al Oliver gets an infield hit to second. Bill Mazeroski grounds out to third, but Oliver gets to second in time to avoid a double play. Fast man. Fast man. So, with a runner in scoring position. Doc Ellis comes up to the plate for a second at bat. And he strikes out looking. <laughs> well, he's over 2. Yeah. 
over two with two straight guys. But uh, <laughs> at least he hasn't been hit by a pitch. He has not. I wonder if he would even feel it or what that would feel like. He'd probably get hit and be like, what? <laughs> what just happened? Did I get shot? <laughs> Uh, so bottom of the fifth, Tommy Dean comes up again and grounds out to shortstop. Dave Roberts flies out to left, and then Dave Campbell draws a walk, and then he steals second base. Steve Hunts also draws a walk. I think it's his third walk. <laughs> yeah, this is third walk in the game. I just realized that. <laughs> hey, you know he's got a good on base percentage yeah, good for you. One thousand OBP this game. Al Ferrara hits a ground ball back to Doc. Who, even though he's high as balls, <laughs> he fields it cleanly and throws it to first for the final out of the inning. And the dugout Doc's teammate Dave Cash comes up to him and says, Hey man, you've got a no-no going. And Doc goes, Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, Yeah, right, whatever, dude. You see how many guys have put on base? Like, Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so top of the six, Matty Alou grounds out to the pitcher. Gene Alley singles to right field but gets caught stealing. And then Roberto Clemente flies out to right. Bottom of the six. Nate Colbert draws a leadoff walk and quickly steals second. So now they have another runner in scoring position with no outs. Ollie Brown pops out to second. Ivan Morrell. Oh, Ollie didn't strike out this time. Good for him. Good for Ollie. Uh, <laughs> Ivan Morrell fouls out to first. Mm-hmm. And Chris Canazaro draws a walk. So we've got two on, two out. With Tommy Dean coming to the plate. Tommy Dean, he's back. But he strikes out. Damn it. <laughs> All right, uh, top of the seventh, Bob Robertson flies out to center. Willie Stargell hits his second home run to put the Pirates up two to nothing. All right, real quick, Bob Robertson. Yeah, his name is Robert Robertson. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Pirates are up two nothing. Jerry May fouls out, and then Al Oliver strikes out. Bottom of the seventh, uh, Raymond Webster pinch hits for Dave Roberts, and he lines out to second. Uh, Dave Campbell grounds out to shortstop, and then Steve Hunts grounds out to first with Doc getting an assist. Great. Good job. Uh, According to his interview with High Times, Doc said he could see a comet tail behind his pitches and a a multicolored path leading from the mound to home plate. (laughs) That's got to be really cool. Like, you throw your pitch, and it's just like... Whoa, it's like, like yo, time that's, delayed. That's so cool. And then you turn over to first, and there's like a dotted line. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> throw the ball right here. It's like, yeah, that's it. Do you think he started throwing curveballs a lot just because it looked cool? It's like, whoa, it's like whoa, look at the prob- patterns I can make. Probably. And as Richard Nixon caught it, he'd be like, <laughs> yo, strike one. <laughs> whoa, Tricky Dicky just caught that comet. <laughs> uh, okay. So this brings up to brings us to the top of the eighth. Bill Mazeroski flies out to left. Doc makes contact this time, but he grounds out to shortstop. Uh, Matty Alou grounds out to third to end the inning. Bottom of the eighth. Al Ferrara flies out to right. Nate Colbert, bleh, Nate Colbert lines out to center, and then Ollie Smith draws a walk. He's on base, baby. He's on base. <laughs> he did it, it took him all game, but he did it. <laughs> Uh, Ivan Morrell then hits a ground ball to shortstop, and they get the force out at second to end the inning. Sorry, Ollie. Sorry, Ollie. (laughs) Uh, Top of the ninth, Gene Alley grounds out to second. Roberto Clemente flies out to right. Jose Pagan, who replaced Robert Robertson in the seventh, uh, pops out to third. This brings up bottom of the ninth inning. (laughs) Chris Canizaro flies out to center for the first out. 
Van Kelly pinch hits for Tommy Dean. <laughs> they pulled him. <laughs> they pulled Tommy. They pulled Tommy. They're bringing in the big guns with Van Kelly. <laughs> Van Kelly. Uh, yeah, Van Kelly was a career 221 hitter and only played two seasons in the majors. <laughs> Sorry, oh. Van. He grounds out to first with Doc getting yet another assist. With two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning, the Padres pinch hit again. They send up Ed Spezio for Ron Herbal. It's Spezio? Ed Spezio. Oh, yeah. Ed Spezio. That's, that's in, like a full name. Yeah, I, I thought Ed it was... Spezio. Ed Spezio. I Ed. thought he was like an Italian guy whose name was Ed Spezio. Ed Spezio. <laughs> Just a mononym, Ed Spezio. Yeah, yeah, it's like Ichiro. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like Bjork. It's like Cher. Madonna. Madonna, you know. Spezio comes up. He's hitting 285 this season. So that's not bad. Yeah, he's pretty good. Dangerous, dangerous bat right now. And he strikes out looking. Looking. <laughs> Doc jumped up and spun on the mound and screamed out, A motherfucking no-no! <laughs> so Doc's final stat line was nine innings pitched, no hits, no runs, eight walks, <laughs> one hit by pitch, and six strikeouts. It was the 174th no-hitter in Major League history. <laughs> he threw a no-no. High on LSD, yeah. benzos, and had eight walks. <laughs> he gave up nine bases. The Padres got nine free bases and they never scored. Yeah. Nobody ever got past second base. That's crazy. That's good defense. <laughs> I guess it probably was good defense by Dot because he saw dotted lines like where he was supposed to throw the baseball. But that's... Yeah. <laughs> that's honestly really incredible. Yeah, it's... This is a kind of a famous story, uh, but it's it's too good to not tell again. Um, you know, I do try to go for like a little more obscure stuff, but this one's just too good. I hadn't <laughs> heard that story oh, before, I'm surprisingly. Yeah. <coughs> um, yeah, so that's the time that Doc Ellis pitched a no-hitter on LSD. Um, Doc would pitch in the majors until 1979. His career ERA was 3.46, and he won roughly 54% of his decisions. And he also has 1,136 strikeouts to his name. His career war was 14.2, which is all around very respectable. He's, you know, he's a pretty good pitcher. Um, he's average. And <laughs> in 1971, he won the World Series with the Pirates, and he also won the Cy, the Cy Young Award that year. <laughs> Ellis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Ellis was a champion for players' rights, and he really pushed hard for um, expanded powers in free agency mm-hmm. um jackie robinson himself said doc did a lot to further the rights of african-american players in the game of baseball um doc is black by the way <laughs> okay uh he didn't tell anyone he was on lsd during the game until after his retirement in 1980 he even admitted he usually pitched under the influence of something <laughs> but in retirement doc got sober and he spent the remainder of his life as a drug counselor helping others overcome their substance abuse issues i um, like this like development yeah for doc real 180 <laughs> yeah for he, you, he turned his life around it reminds me of well i don't know if it reminds me of but when you said doc usually played under the influence of something it reminds me of the Louisville slugger himself <laughs> who said i can't hit the ball until, until i hit, hit the, the bottle ball. yeah um, yeah, because Pete got sober, and then he got drunk again, and then he got sober again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a troubled life Pete had. Poor All Pete. because he, he had an ear infection. <laughs> <sighs> Honestly, yeah. That sucks. 
so yeah he's and he did like a lot of work especially in prisons to help uh, a lot of uh, prisoners kick their drug ha- drug habits so when they got out they were clean and they were able to like you know build their lives out yeah build their lives back up again um uh, doc would unfortunately pass away december 19th 2008 from cirrhosis of the liver he is buried in inglewood park cemetery in inglewood california and in 2014 a film about his life was released called no no a doc documentary <laughs> lsd the documentary <laughs> perfect it's it's just perfect it didn't occur to me that the lsd connection <laughs> uh until like my fourth or fifth time like reading through this script and just editing it uh-huh. and that's when it clicked and i was like oh my god <laughs> it's like perfect honestly like the the no hitter on lsd is really impressive i think it's even more impressive that that one newspaper writer <laughs> called him lsd yeah and he just happened to be high. totally on accident so, uh, which, uh, I don't know, which, which game of our double header did you enjoy more? Of our double header? Ha ha! Our perfect game that wasn't, or the, or the psychedelic no hitter? I don't know. Like, I like both. I think they're both just really stupid. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, base, baseball is dumb. Baseball is dumb. But here's the thing. I think they're both dumb for different, like, the first game, the one where um, Ernie, yeah. when Ernie pitched the the perfect game that wasn't a perfect game, that wasn't stupid because of anything like Ernie did. Yeah, that was stupid because the commissioner is a fuckhead. Yeah, well, it's like in that in in the first game, baseball is dumb because of a the events that took place there, and then b Faye Vincent being a stickler asshole for yeah. it. So we got two levels of stupid here, uh, and then the second game. It's just it's just beautiful. <laughs> I baseball is the only game that something like that could happen. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think there was a guy who played. He played like a super important like playoff game in football when he was like super hungover once. <laughs> it doesn't surprise uh, me. But like, I would I would rather watch a no hitter from a dude tripping on acid than see a hungover dude play quarterback. Yeah, because it's like. <laughs> In basket, like basketball, in the big three, like American sports, yeah. you know, football, basketball, baseball, football and basketball are both really fast paced. Mm-hmm. Cause like there's all, when you snap the ball, there's like something happening. Yeah. Like all the time. Yeah. Very intense action. And basketball, you're pretty much always moving. Yeah. So it's like, you don't really get the time to like, like watch what someone's doing for an extended period of time because mm-hmm. it's all like, there's so much stuff going on in baseball. This is one guy in the middle of the baseball field, surrounded by thousands of people, (laughs) tripping balls, (laughs) and everyone can watch him do it. Yep. Just amazing. There, unfortunately, there really isn't a lot of uh, surviving footage of this game. And I think what little footage there is, there's no sound to it, so it's just silent images of Doc pitching. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, God, I would really love to see it, <laughs> just to watch it. I would too, honestly. Doc was a uh, problematic's not the right word, but just he was a he was a, a very bombastic character, um, and he got in trouble with his team a lot <laughs> just for his antics. Like he he showed up to a game for warmups and he had curlers in his hair, <laughs> and 
and was just warming up like totally normal as if nothing was different when he's just wearing curlers. And... They, you know, like they said, it's like Doc. It's like yeah, Doc's just a weird dude. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that's Doc. That's just Doc. This is how he works. It's like he's a good enough pitcher that we keep him around. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I want MLB to to change the all-star game and allow players to take drugs and get drunk to play that game because it's a meaningless <laughs> exhibition how great would it be to watch like verlander and kershaw go at it while they're both tripping everybody else in the field is hammered <laughs> that would be <sighs> just nine innings of chaos <laughs> yeah i don't know if that would be great or terrible probably, but probably both <laughs> but i will say I would like to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that is uh, that's the episode. Thank you all for listening. Uh, shout out to uh, Negro Leagues for finally getting the recognition you deserve. That's very cool. Yeah, thanks, MLB. We that's, are, that's a cool step. Uh, yeah, and we're going to do some episodes on the Negro Leagues. And uh, I have a pretty good episode about um, MLB's first black player. We actually talked about him uh, during the Pete Browning episode. Uh, it was the Moses uh, Walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, him. Yeah, we're going to talk about him a little bit more because uh, he absolutely deserves his own episode. So, yeah, thank you all for listening. If you're going to do drugs, do drugs. No. Don't do drugs. Don't, don't do drugs. <laughs> Fuck you, Disney. Good night. <laughs>